In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Today in this gospel lesson, we find one of the questions is probably one of the most pointed, poignant questions anywhere in Scripture. John the Baptist says these words, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Well, that doesn't sound a lot like the guy that we heard in last week's gospel. Let me remind you what he was saying. He was standing in the wilderness proclaiming the kingdom of God was at hand and that we better repent and change our direction or we were going to end up burning like the chaff. That was his message. Let me remind you a little bit about John and his life. John was part of a sect called the Essenes. He lived in the wilderness for a purpose. He didn't like being around folks. And he lived out there so he could stay close to God. And he could live a lifestyle that he enjoyed in the wilderness, in the proximity of God and those that were like-minded with him. We also know some history that you know, of course, John the Baptist and Jesus have something in common. They share relatives. Both of them had callings where they were announced by the Gabriel angel that they had special anointing in their lives for their missions. John the Baptist, the man that Jesus said was none greater born of woman than him, today is in a prison, and he's saying these words, Are you the one who is to come, or to we to wait for another? Well, that's a long cry from what the man was doing last week when he was out in the desert, a name-calling wild man proclaiming that kingdom of heaven had come near. At that day, there was no question in his mind, no doubt in his heart or hesitation in his words. He didn't want excuses or explanations. He wanted actions out of us. But this week, it's a different man. He's a little tamer. He's subdued. He isn't proclaiming or demanding anything. There's no name calling. His wilderness lifestyle is giving way to the confines of a prison. So what's changed in John's life? His circumstances, where he's at. He's no longer where he feels comfortable now. He's in bondage in a prison. The voice in the wilderness is now just another confined prisoner with a question. And his question is the one that we want to address today. Are you the guy or is it somebody else? Despite what John's question sounds like, we need to point out right here, John still believes. He expects the one who is more powerful will surely come, the anointed one, the one he called the Lamb of God when he baptized him in the Jordan. But how will he know? And better yet today, how do we know when we've come and the called ones come into our lives? This question is not much about doubt or disappointment. It's not a lack of belief, but more a lack of recognition at this moment. Recognition, my friends, is that middle ground. It's the bridge between a prophet's voice and a prisoner's question today. John's question is the same question that many of us will wrestle with on this side of the veil. How do we recognize the one who is more powerful than us 
which is what John the Baptist said Jesus would be. What does the Messiah look like in the captivity of our lives? How do we recognize that the kingdom of heaven has come near to us? What does the kingdom look like in the circumstances of your lives today? All throughout the Advent journey, the message has been, be prepared. No one proclaimed that louder than John. But he doesn't have a message today. He's got a question. We were told to be watchful, to stay awake, get ready. He's coming. Well, Jesus has come. John proclaimed it. And the fact of the matter, the kingdom of God is here today, is it not? Isn't the kingdom of God here today, my friends? Amen, it is. If so, then, what are we looking for? Isn't that John the Baptist's question? He says, if I'm looking for you, or am I looking for another? That's not just his questions. It's often the question in our lives when we don't seem to see Jesus in front of us when our circumstances have changed. You see, oftentimes, my friends, when our circumstances change, it reveals something that's occurred in our lives where we have had an expectation of something, and that expectation has not materialized the way we thought it would. Ever been there? Mm. Well, that's what John's got. He's got an expectation of what we just heard read in the Gospels, or the readings this past three weeks from Isaiah, talking about the new time. And the lion would lay down with the lamb, and things would be made right. Well, Jesus came a long time ago, 2,000 years ago, and we still don't see all that, do we? But he's been here, hadn't he? Think about the many ways that question comes into our lives today. And that question comes up for us. In many ways, is he the one? Or maybe it comes like this. Is she the one in my life, or is it another? Is this really my career, or should I be looking for another? I don't know God's life, a will for my life. Is this it, or is there something else? Ever ask any of these questions? Did I make the right decision, or should I have chosen differently? Hmm. Sometimes we will say, or we will hear someone else say that, won't we? Maybe you've said it. I know I've said it. Well, God has a plan, and someday we'll understand it. You ever heard people say that? Well, God's got a plan. Don't be in a rush. Someday we'll understand it. Well, friends, that statement right there, that comment reveals our inability to recognize the kingdom or the Messiah in the circumstances of our lives at that moment. Because we put expectations in our minds of what that'll look like, what that might be like. Those words describe our searching to recognize and identify Emmanuel, God is with us. Those words also reveal our desire to align our lives with the kingdom, though. Beneath those comments and questions and beneath John's question is a longing to fully know ourselves and our roles here on this planet right now today. To live our lives with meaning and significance today. It's not about getting the right answer, but about living the right relationship with ourselves, with one another, with our God who is among us. What does that look like? What does it look like in your lives and circumstances, or in mine for that matter? For John the Baptist, 
And for us, there is not a one-size-fits-all answer, my friends. Maybe that's why Jesus does not directly answer John's question. Jesus doesn't say to John, yes, I am he. I am the guy. You see, he doesn't do that because John will have to decide that for himself. And so do each of you. And so do I. And as you know, Jesus rarely provides a direct answer. More often than not, Jesus gives us an answer to a question with another question, doesn't he? Ever experienced that one? Jesus isn't denying John the Baptist or us anything. That's not what he's trying to do, and that's not what he is doing. Jesus won't let himself be historicized, categorized, or localized in any way in our lives. The kingdom is larger than its historical coming, the first time or the second time. The powerful one cannot be confined or limited by time and space. The Messiah brings us abundant life and eternal life, but not all the answers all the time. But Jesus did provide an answer to John. Jesus, when he was approached by John's disciples from prison and asked that question, are you the one or should we look for other? Jesus gives him an answer. He gives him that answer on this verse right here. Instead of giving a yes or no, Jesus says, and says to each of us today, go and tell John or go and tell Clay or go and tell Phil or go and tell Jim what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And then Jesus provided a little rebuke, a soft rebuke, but also a blessing to John. And I'm reading in this, in this verse right here in verse 6 from the message translation, and I think Eugene Peterson says this really well. It's basically saying in verse 6, is this what you were expecting? And count yourselves most blessed. Friends, oftentimes what we expect is different than what we get from the Lord. But I promise you, in the fullness of time, the blessing will be manifested. Jesus described what it looked like for us. And he tells us how to recognize the coming kingdom, how to identify the one who is more powerful than us. Because that's the one that John said was coming, the one that was more powerful. The kingdom, the one who is more powerful, is the Messiah, and he is the one who has stood on this earth. Jesus provided John and us these examples of that. For the blind, the kingdom comes as sight. For the lame, the kingdom comes one step at a time. For the leper, the kingdom comes with cleansing. For the deaf, the kingdom comes with hearing God's word. For the dead, the kingdom rises us to newness of life. For the poor, the kingdom brings good news. These are descriptions. They are not limitations or definitions. While there is one kingdom and one Messiah, they come to us all in multiple and varied ways in our lives, according to the circumstances of our lives when we're seeking. That means the kingdom Messiah whom John announced comes to us in ways that are tangible, in ways that are practical, in ways that are relevant to our own lives. If not, what difference does it make if the kingdom has come already at all? Who cares if the kingdom comes if it doesn't change us and change our lives? It should, right? 
Jesus has stood on this earth. So let me ask you if any of these kingdom examples resonate with any of you here today. Have you ever found beauty in a place or a person you once thought impossible? Have you ever seen new opportunities and possibilities open up in your life? Thank you. guess it's just a couple of us here. Pretty remarkable, I'd say. If you have, then you know the blind have received sight. That's the example. We can be spiritually blind in this life, can't we? We know that when that happens, the kingdom has come near. Once again, another question. Have you ever felt crippled by grief, loss, depression, addiction, to the point you couldn't move or think and you felt you couldn't go on? Who's brave? That's it. But then one day, a day came when something happened and you took the first step. And then you took another and another. And it may have been slow, but you were moving again. And soon you began to change and make progress in your life. If so, then, you know what it's like for the lame to begin walking again, don't you? You know that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Can you recall a time when you just couldn't get comfortable in your own skin? Thank you. Maybe it was some past regret, some shame, or some guilt. It seemed like everyone saw it and was more than happy to point it out. You felt like you had no place. You felt like you had no belonging. But then one day, you experienced forgiveness. You discovered the original beauty of your creation, of who you were that you were accepted, and that you were acceptable. Friends, if you know what that's like, then you know how the lepers felt when they were cleansed, because we were cleansed and the kingdom of heaven had come near to us. Have you ever heard a new truth about yourself, or heard the soft voice of God, or the silence that speaks through intimacy and presence? Have you ever heard the cry for justice or help and then boldly responded with fervent prayer, action, or compassion? Well, if so, you know what it's like to begin hearing again. You know what it's like for the deaf to hear. And you know that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or how about those times when it seemed like part of you had died? Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe a dream, or maybe a loved one. You felt lost, incomplete, numb, broken, like something was missing in your life. Mm -hmm. But then one day, you seemed to sense a new vitality in your life. Something was different. There was a new energy. There was an enthusiasm. It was on those days in our lives, my friends, that we were raised from the, from the dead. That we were no longer spiritually dead and we were raised up. And on that day, we knew the kingdom of heaven had come near. Then there are those times when it seems like we have nothing left in us. We're running on empty. There's no resources, no reserve anywhere in your tank. We realize we can't do it in our own strength and we face our own 
poverty. Anybody ever been there? We find ourselves poor in spirit in desperate need of good news. And then, by God's grace, someone speaks a word of hope. Just a little bit of encouragement or love. Well, friends, that's the good news that's revealed to those who are low in spirit. And that reveals the kingdom of heaven has come near. Friends, those and so many more are the moments of our lives when we recognize the coming one. When we see and know that the kingdom of heaven has come near to us already. That it's brushed against us. That it's touched against us and changed our very lives. Dear brothers and sisters, those are the moments of our christening. Those are the moments of our anointing to share the life and the work of the Messiah, to embrace and to participate in the kingdom and accept our role as members of the body of Christ. They're divine moments. Divine moments of recognition in our own lives. Friends, they're the moments we recognize Jesus is with us now. And has come. And his kingdom has come now. That the one who is, has come. Is near us. And that he will come again. But maybe just as important. It's in those moments that we recognize. And find ourselves. It's in those moments. That we recognize the abundant. Advent joy that we celebrate. When we light this candle over here. When we realize that the waited Messiah did come, and he has come into our lives now, and that he is in us and living, working through us this day, and that should give us something to rejoice about. So as we walk away from this place today with that candle lit, let us all rejoice and give thanks for the fact that the kingdom has come near, and the kingdom, the eternal kingdom will come again. And all that's wrong still now, that we could point out and say, you know something, I had better expectations than this, will be eclipsed by what will happen on that day. Because on that day, our greatest rejoicing here will hail in comparison to the rejoicing we'll do in the presence of our Savior in eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.